All right, thanks for tuning in to another week of Dynamo Discussions, where we talk with founders and other startup experts on what it really takes to start a company. As you may know, Dynamo is headquartered in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is not a major city. So we want to connect with founders and companies out there who are killing it outside of the major cities because super smart, talented people live in small and mid-sized cities as well, and so do customers. Two founders who are finding success in our own mid-sized city are going to talk to us on today's episode. They go into what it's like to start with an idea and a bunch of clipboards and eventually grow into a successful tech company. All right, we hope you enjoy. Caitlin Wittenberg. And I'm Santosh Sankar. And we are here today with Stephen Vlahos and Cameron Duty, co-founders at Bellhops. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, what's up? Thanks Uh, for having us. We want to hear about Bellhops first. Tell us all about it and what y'all do there. Yeah, Uh, so Bellhops is a consumer platform for moving services. Uh, We're the largest and fastest growing uh, platform. And and, uh, in a nutshell, what we do is contract uh, athletic college students all over the country uh, to provide an accessibly priced and really high level of service uh, for for moving, and so if you really think about uh, the the problem that we're looking to solve, um, take the moving industry. Uh, anybody who's ever moved before, you basically have two options. One is to to beg your friends and go rent a U-Haul or Penske or whatever rental, rental truck. Uh, or go to you know, more of a traditional moving company like Two Men in a Truck or, or Scenic City Movers or, you know, whatever. And the traditional moving market is this, this really large, fragmented, antiquated industry that is based on assets. Um, there are over 10,000 uh, uh, traditional moving companies uh, registered in the United States, and, and half of them have fewer than five employees. And, uh, and so on the other side, uh, and, and they only cover about 25% of, of the country. So 75% of us, when it comes time to move, are begging friends to come and help load a rental truck. Oh, yeah. I've been there. So like 50 million Americans <laughs> move every year, and 75% are, are, are doing exactly that. And, uh, and so Bellhops is coming in as this perfect answer right in between begging friends and hiring a traditional mover. Uh, you know, it is right in between on cost. So, like, if you were to go rent a truck, it'd be 200 bucks or, you know, a U-Haul, whatever it may be. You'll, you're going to spend 200 bucks on boxes in, in the truck and all that. Um, if you were to go to a traditional moving company, you can expect to spend uh, closer to a thousand bucks or more. You know, and these are for the types of individuals that um, are living in, you know, one, two, three bedroom apartments, uh, small houses, young professionals, young mm-hmm. families, uh, the people that move most frequently. And Bellhops is coming in there for it with a full service option in a growing number of cities now uh, that is priced, you know, for truck bellhop show up do the whole thing uh, for around 400 bucks and uh and furthermore beyond that uh we provide the the labor so really high quality labor that's, that's showing up these are college kids ambitious know how to communicate um coming in and and uh doing is anything as simple as like rearranging furniture home uh in your home to uh, to doing a, a full service move, so we're we're really kind of turning the the moving industry upside down and providing a, a totally new category of of moving services to to fit that that need that yeah. people have. Yeah. So how did you guys 
get into this? Did you just move a lot? Do you have a sketchy past? Any yeah, so um, <laughs> what we actually did was um, we, we noticed that uh, this, this, so it happened to us a few times in college where, um, I mean, I worked, like flipped burgers and made five twenty five an hour and then randomly towards the end of the semester I'd always get pinged and texted by friends and, you know, we'd go do something that would, you know, take 30, 45 minutes and get paid $100. Uh, so you saw just a, you know, a huge gap in supply there from the demand. Um, whereas there's so many kids that, eat, you know, don't necessarily have to have consistent work in college towns, but at these particular times of year when people are transitioning, um, it wasn't there, there was a lack of a supply. There was a lack of, like, connectivity between supply and demand. There was nowhere to get it. Uh, so we, we launched um, this service called dorm movers in 2010 a few years after college where we mm-hmm. basically just you know corralled up a bunch of college kids and um sold them off individually to parents moving in for a hundred dollars a pop and uh, you know we spent like two hundred dollars on advertising i think and did about twenty five thousand dollars in revenue in three days and hmm. at that point um you know our eyes just kind of did y'all do that all manually or is it like did you have you didn't have like an app you were just like no somebody come no, to sign up Clipboards and walkie-talkies and old school. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, it was. You should get to Stephen to tell you the, the story about how we paid our kids. Yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty hilarious. But you know, that was great. <laughs> okay, no. that was great for us. Well, you know, me and Cameron coming from, um, you know, he's from Knoxville. I'm from Birmingham, and uh, at that time, you know, you'd probably have 25% of kids had smartphones. Uh, it was, you know. 2010 and we really didn't understand tech you know Mm -hmm. we had decent business minds and wanted to get into a business but after going through that the first year we realized that this does not scale without technology Mm -hmm. but it was really helpful for us to do it physically first to understand how to build um, the tech so that's something that you know we were we just kind of you know it, it wasn't that we had this genius idea going into it we found out that there was this huge, huge need, and it really, it wasn't just Auburn, it was, you know, all across the country, and we thought it was originally the college movie market, and it moved completely into residential, we realized that mm-hmm. um, once we, you know, started going to different campuses, everyone in, everyone in town was using us, um, and that's when we kind of had the light bulb moment, and saw how big, you know, the opportunity is, and how underserved these people are, but uh, it just didn't work without tech, and we found that out. Yeah. About six, seven months in after we bought a couple hundred dollars worth of walkie-talkies and clipboards and uh, we're sprinting around campus and um, trying to figure this thing out. And uh, when, once we had that light bulb moment, we kind of knew how big it could be. So how, what was the next step when you realized, okay, we want to keep doing this. We know this is a good idea, but clipboards don't work. So what was the next, like, how did you decide we're going to make this an actual company and yeah. grow this? What did that look like? Yeah, so about three months after that, I I was in commercial banking um, in Birmingham, and uh, me and Cameron got together and said, you know, if we take this to eight schools, we can, you know, have a business, and um, you know, I could make <laughs> more money doing this than I am at my mm-hmm. original job, and it's a, a new service that people love, and it could be an opportunity for us to build our own business. So we pulled together some friends and family money, and spent about 75% of that on a website uh, with a back end where kids could log in to like an online scheduling job board and pick up right. jobs and things like that. Um, I think we ended up trashing that. <laughs> that was when we as well determined that, you know, 
tech had to be a competency of the company. It couldn't be something we used a vendor for mm-hmm. um, because we were super unhappy with the person we went with. We took this money from our parents and gave it to this company. And, you know, we could have, I don't know, Cameron probably could have killed the guy a few times that built it originally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, these light bulb moments along doing the yeah. process of, I mean, we have to understand tech. We can't just pay people to do right. it. Right. You had to kind of bring tech in house. Yeah. But, you know, we went through that next year and um, we didn't grow as fast as we thought we were going to. You know, we had some limitations of you know, understanding eight different markets. I was doing it by myself. Uh, my wife was, is a designer. Um, she's a teacher now. She went back to school, but um, she built the first site and we went to eight schools and you know, we just kept moving and kept moving and kept learning. And at the end of that year was when we caught attention from the guys up in Chattanooga and, and moved up and got real investors that could teach us about, you know, how to build a business and kind of got out of that silo that was Birmingham for us. Yeah. How did you get connected with Chattanooga? I mean, what was that? Yeah. Well, Stephen, Stephen's from Vestavia. That's a suburb of, of Birmingham. And um, he was actually family friends with uh, with Ted Alling, who's one of the founders of Lamp Post. And uh, Ted had, or Stephen had known that, that Ted had started Lamp Post and it was this, you know, tech shop, venture mm-hmm. incubator type thing. Uh, so right around the same time that, that we realized that we needed tech, Stephen just went up to, to ask Ted for advice on, on what to do next. And uh, Ted, I think in that first meeting, said, uh, well, you need to move your, your company to, to Chattanooga and we want to invest in you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and of course, that was the, the initial conversation, but it, it ultimately <laughs> led to, a, uh, to us doing our seed round of funding here in Chattanooga and uprooting our families and, uh, and kind of taking that, that first mm-hmm. real step. Talk about your, your journey and what your interactions and growth have been like with the three guys. You raised some seed money from them and frankly, where the teams are going to start growing themselves. That's where you guys started yep. to set up shop when you moved here, too. So just talk about that and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So we, we, when we raised the seed round of funding, it was just it was like this incredibly um, empowering feeling of, of like it was like self-imposed responsibility. The weight was like enormous, but the excitement was... Um, just totally outweighed uh, everything in the beginning. It was just like, you know, we had been uh, climbing the corporate ladder and, and finally we were able to work on something we, we wanted to build and we had cash to do it. And uh, so when we came here to Lamp Post, there was just amazing culture around just hustle and hard work. Uh, and, you know, the lights are on, you know, lights are on at, at Lamp Post. Um, during you know at the incubator until three four in the morning you know you've got mm-hmm. young ambitious people at the time it was it was the ambition team that they were working on another project and it was like it's just super competitive because you're working with uh, with a lot of really ambitious people that are are doing their own companies and and uh, a lot of the the like accountability is like it's totally self imposed by your peers mm-hmm. that's what's so exciting about an incubator it's like you're thrown into the mix of everybody that's so hungry, everybody's vying for attention, vying for traction. Um, you all believe in your own ideas, and it's like this health, healthy competition uh, where, you know, a moving company can go up against, like, a, you know, a, a, a news aggregator company, 
it doesn't matter what you're doing, but it's like competition to mm-hmm. to succeed. And uh, and that's really the the culture. That was the culture at Lampost when we came. And it still is now, where it's just uh, you know it's it's a, a sink or swim type situation. When you think about startups, like you are a survivor as a startup. You are just trying not to die every day. And in the early days, when you don't know exactly who your company is, and that's, you know, most companies at seed stage really don't have a firm grasp for where they want to be. Because you've got all these decisions that need to be made, and a lot of them have to do with what direction are you going to take the company in. Like, well, we could be anything. I mean, bellhops could be mowing lawns and cleaning gutters and babysitting for, for for that matter. And we're not because we made decisions early on to really focus on the space. But at one time, like we were thinking about, do we get into like, like private party bouncing, you know, <laughs> it's like, and those were like legit or like valet parking. Like they, that was a legit, uh, decision that yeah. had to be made at one point and it gets really heated and, you know, so it's, yeah, uh, it's kind of double edged sword too, because if you go in too hard headed, um, you miss opportunities as well. So like, you have to maintain a balance of um, are we thinking rationally about who we need to become, um, but also are we missing opportunities because we're so being so hard-headed about what we first said that we were going to do that we get these insights from our customers or insights from the business and you just say, well, we said we were going to do this, and you end up, um, you can stick to it, and sometimes that's the right call and sometimes it's not, and that's kind of you know, your job is, um, you know, living with the decisions that you've made. And that's kind of what your talent, that's, that's really, you know, that's separate. There's a lot of things to separate, uh, businesses that end up being successful, but that, you know, your taste and decision-making is really important early on because, uh, you know, you, you, you are so early. There's so many different paths you can take and, um, really, you really just got to go with your gut, um, you know, and feel, you know, what are customers responding to? What, one thing, you know, one reason why, uh, you know, we had the guts to do this, it wasn't because we were these geniuses that had this incredible business idea. It was because of the ridiculous feedback from our customers. I mean, I, just reading 50 emails from customers that went on for on and on and on and on, almost getting emotional. Sure. Um, we were like, dang, we did something special here. And if these people care this much about it, you know, 10 million people can, can sure. care this and much Sure. And at it. a time, like... We were getting like full page emails from customers. Like this is at a time where we had no tech, we had no automation, we had no training, we had nothing. Mm-hmm. Like barely even a website. The the bellhops that that we onboarded on our platform were found the day before by like a <laughs> colathon for from you know like that we had put together from like friends that were still in the fraternity, and we got these big long customer you know reviews that were like oh my gosh. You know, Johnny and, and, you know, Billy were just absolutely fantastic. They made our day so much better. They showed up with water. They took care of us. They cleaned up afterwards. Like, these are kids. Like, we want to adopt them into our family. They were so... <laughs> and it's like, we provided these kids with nothing in the, in, in the beginning. Yeah. And so now, today, you know, that, to, to hit on Stephen's point, that is what gave us the confidence to say... There's something really special here, and it continues. The student workforce continues to be an enormous, probably the most enormous differentiator for our company. Yeah, uh, and it's and it has to do with the fact that 
it's it's almost unexpected too because uh, you know we, we found out like when marketing college students it kind of tells two different stories like to some people it's like oh these are great kids that are mm-hmm. not to communicate and they're educated and clean cut and all that uh, but to some other customers that think back on college, it's like, oh, these kids are going to be drunk and idiots and they're going to show up late and they don't sure. care about anything. Yeah. And so we have to be careful about marketing uh, st- a student workforce. But we know that our bellhops being students um, in the way that we do it and the way that we onboard and the way that we train and the way that, that our culture really is at, at our company, mm-hmm. we're finding these fantastic kids. I mean, our net promoter score and the busiest our company has ever been was a 78, which is like crazy high yeah. when you think about like yeah. the moving space, which is rumored to be a negative number. Mm-hmm. Um, Did, didn't y'all, uh, were, you were you were on a top list of best company cultures, if I remember correctly? Or, I think that, it was, yeah, Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people talk about culture and it's a, kind of a buzzword. But um, you you kind of keep going on how that really is the differentiator on from your bellhops being taken care of and how they treat their customers. So what? How does that happen for a company? Is it just something that just happens, or how much effort goes into creating? Well, I mean, a, a lot of it is uh, should be inherent in like the founding team that um, you know you just kind of just resonates to your early employees and then. Um, it, but it is difficult. I mean, once you get past, you know, that core group yeah. of people, you know, how, how do you, um, how do you scale that culture, which is something that, you know, honestly hasn't been extremely easy for us. It's something we, we work on and talk about and have hit huge road bumps with and, um, kind of gotten to the root of it and fixed that. But, you know, it, it's constantly, you know, something that has to be paid attention to. And it's not just, it doesn't just happen. It really sure. doesn't. I mean, it's intentional, um, and especially with scale, it's it's uh, something that really has to be top of mind. People say that culture eats strategy for breakfast, but would you? It sounds like what you're saying is culture is a part of your strategy. You can't pit them against each well, other is. to some I, degree. I think that culture, like the culture, starts on day one. So, like obviously with Dynamo, we're talking to a bunch of companies that are really early that have these huge ambitions and are, are so passionate about what they're doing. Culture isn't something that you, like, develop, like, three years in. Culture is something that, like, truly our culture has not changed since since day one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something that is, like, it has to be authentic. Like, culture can't be fabricated. It's, like, by definition, it can't be fa- fabricated. It's, like, the shared, truly shared beliefs of your company. It doesn't mean, like, what your printed core values are, but, like, what does everybody in your company like what is that shared belief and for us it's like i'd say it's it's hustle one two is is like purely the customer the customer the customer the customer uh and also the bellhop the bellhop the bellhop about you know obviously as a platform both have to be valued as our most important things uh and 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 really just a a culture around like um enjoying what you're doing and kind of I'd say it's very much of like a family type thing. And what's important there is, um, you know, we, we have core values that are incredibly important to, to scaling as we get bigger. But like, you know, we have a workforce of thousands of, of college students in 86 cities across the country. And uh, I recently had a, a person that had used us in three different cities. Um, three different bellhops teams in three different cities for he had like three daughters that 
two of them were in college or one of them was in college and the other couple were out of college moving apartments. And he was present for all the moves over like a two-month period, Um, poor guy. (laughs) And uh, he wrote me this big, long email afterwards. He was the CEO of the, the chamber here in Chattanooga. And he was like, Cameron, what I'm most impressed with is I used you guys in three different corners of the country with three different bellhops teams. And the bellhops treated me in the exact same way uh, in, in, in all three of those cities. And he's like, I don't know how you did that, but um, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And it is totally a product of, of our bellhop. Like those kids have never met anybody at headquarters. Mm-hmm. They've probably talked to, to headquarters a handful of times, but they've gone through the online training. They get the culture through all of our branding, through our site, through our you know, onboarding process, et cetera. And uh, somehow through, like, without actually saying it, our company has, has transferred those, that culture all the way down to, to bellhops in, in you know, different cities across the country. Um, and it allows us to, to have continuity in, in our supply. And, and that's something that you can't mandate. Like, you can't implement culture. It's just something that is, like, felt. Yeah, you know? people want to put, like, uh, scooters and ping pong tables in offices and think that, that means culture. Or, this is a fun place to work. But I think you're, when you touch on authenticity, I think that's, that's really important. Yeah. That's just be 100%. a person. Yeah. <laughs> and treat your people well. So, you know, so far a couple of themes have come up, uh, culture, hustle, and then going back to technology became a competency. You guys realize that quite quickly. Talk about how tech, how you've used technology to kind of build your business in a market that frankly people might find pretty uninteresting. Moving stuff and yeah. logistics, supply chain broadly is the transfer of value, good services from point A to point B. So talk about technology, how you guys are building a technology company here. Yeah, so um, what's really cool about tech, and I think you guys are seeing this, and that probably has a lot to do with, with Dynamo, and you know the spirit of it is there used to be tech companies and there used to be businesses, and you know it was almost its own sector. And what you're seeing now with, not to use buzzwords, but like, Moore's law, like technology mm-hmm. compounding and getting, you know, doubling every two years. Uh, there's not going to be tech companies and businesses. There's going to be tech companies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and tech has to be a competency or you just won't be here. Uh, so, you know, that is the future. And, um, you know, it moves very fast, so it's hard to keep a handle on. And <laughs> you have to, um, you know, because it is software, you have to build tech that is going to scale eight, you know, 10 years from now. I mean, I remember when, uh, and I get how it happens and, and why it is the way it is. But when I worked at the bank, I mean, uh, it was the same. We used yeah. the same program from, I think it was like 1985, mm-hmm. uh, because they can't change because there's so much infrastructure built around it. So, I mean, staying on top of tech is, is a problem within itself. But, um, you know, you know, and we're still working on it. I said, I hope I didn't say that we immediately te- made tech a competency. We immediately knew we had to. Sure, yeah. Um, and that is, a, that is hard. It, it's really hard, especially being me and Cameron are non-technical. Um, and our, uh, you know, third co-founder, Matt Patterson, that moved up here was non-technical as well. And that was the reason to move was because of, you know, lampposts and introduction engineers in the tech world and learning from these tech companies up here how to make it a competency. But, 
you know, we're, we're trying super hard to do it. I think we're getting better at it, but you know, you can then lose your way and have to get back to it. I remember when, uh, I think Amazon really struggled with that, and that was a big reason why they pushed AWS was to you know make the company cool again. So it's yep. something you got to constantly pay attention to. But I mean, engineers are they're so smart. I I always thought that like engineers didn't understand business, but the reality is they get it. They just think it's boring. Yeah. I mean, they're so smart that they totally they think a lot of the things that business people do are silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, really respecting technical talent is. Um, is you know it takes a lot of patience and a lot of skill, um, and it's something you constantly have to refine. But I mean, tech is the future; it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and you just gotta you gotta learn how to like keep those knowledge workers within your organization and driving driving decisions. Because I remember when we hired our first engineer, you know, I did one thing at the company, Cameron did one thing, and Matt did one thing, and I I would work on it for sixty hours a week, and and engineer wrote like three lines of code that eliminated my job within like eight minutes. <laughs> um, at that point I realized like, I just need to quit working so hard and focus on getting more super bright, talented engineers to the company so we can scale. Sure. Um, so it's hard. It's hard though. How have you guys combined, you know, you started off kind of just brute forcing your way in. Yeah. What advice do you guys have for founders that are coming in to Dynamo at an early stage where they're not quite there with the technology, but there are some things that they can kind of hustle their way through. I think How that's do you the best that? way to do it. I think you don't know what you need until you do it yourself. Um, and if you try to build too far and rabbit hole too much early, then you're going to end up building stuff that's unnecessary. And you know, time is really, I mean, time's your biggest enemy in a startup. So uh, going down the wrong path can be, uh, it can be fatal. So I think it's great to do it do it by hand at first. Sure. Uh, don't do it for too long. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Don't do it for too long or else you, uh, that's fatal as well. Yeah. But learn, learn what you're going to build before you do it. Awesome. Oh, I don't have any more questions. Do you have more questions? Sir? I'm all good. I think that was great guys. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Awesome. Appreciate Thanks for having us. Take care. Okay, that's it for this episode of Dynamo Discussions. Santosh and I will be back on Friday, though, for our newest segment, A Quick Chat, which is a quick rundown of big news in transportation, logistics, supply chain, and tech. That segment is less than 15 minutes because we know you're busy. So in A Quick Chat, we offer our perspective and predictions on where the industry is heading. If you have thoughts you want to share on these topics, reach out to us on Twitter at This Is Dynamo. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about and your opinions on current topics. We also welcome feedback. What do you love about the show? What do you hate about the show? What are you indifferent to? Any and all feedback. Okay, see you Friday.